0: What's up, Familia? I am your player two, Dayspring.
1: I'm player one, Cole L.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that little lag there, because it's been a minute since we've done an episode together.
1: I didn't know that's what you were going for, like when you said player two, and so I was was just waiting for you to introduce me, and I was like, you know what, I should just do it.
0: (laughs) It's a homage to our intro over at Masters of Comic Books.
1: I'm sorry. It's been a hot minute since I've done any podcasting or even done any podcasting related to Masters of Comic Books. Super busy.
0: Well, you know, I get so many DMs about you. People ask me, how's Cole, Cole L. What's going on with him? So, you know, I, I feel though you are killing it on the social media aspect of it. I love your reviews. Your reviews are
1: always Thank you. on point. Thank you. I, I love doing the reviews. I've been trying to be consistent to at least two, four a week, where I do, do Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, and then Saturdays is where I do my top five and everything. I love doing that kind of stuff. Number one, I love top five lists. and But I always love uh, listening to other people's feedback about what I read and review. And if anybody ever has recommendations or wants recommendations, I love doing all that stuff. And number one, I love comic books. <laughs>
0: I have been on such a, like an indie comic book kick recently. There have been so many things I've been reading that I've been dying to just throw your way so we can <laughs> chat about it. Because I'm like, oh my god, Colel will love this. Like I read this like graphic novel called Highway Man about yeah, this Im- yeah about this immortal person who has lived through to the end of humanity, and it's just his story. It's so beautiful. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, Colel would love this so much
1: i love indie comic books i try and support as many creators as i can um but there's been a lot of good ones this year one of my some of my favorites are like um what's the furthest place from here by matthew rosenberg and tyler boss is a great book i started Uh,
0: reading that that's so good by the way yeah like i I literally i love post-apocalyptic graphic novels i have come to realize
1: yeah rosenberg does a solid job in like doing a great mixture of all t- sorts of drama like horror comedy um it's it does he does a great job uh, another great book would i don't know if you read this but do a power bomb by daniel warren johnson <laughs> No, what i'm
0: drawing I'm writing that down right now
1: it's probably the best book of the year it really yeah. is oh my favorite by far it is so good each issue will leave you like astonished like you did not see this coming. Each issue is like that. It's great, but yeah. we're not here to talk about indie comics, though.
0: No, we're if not. We're...
1: we if we do, I'll be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to
0: talk about Dark Web, the Spider-Man X-Men crossover that's currently underway. And Familia, you know, I've been ranting about it for the last couple of weeks. I I didn't initially want to review this for the podcast. You may or may not know, but. I was like, it's Madeline Pryor's Ben Riley. I have a fondness for Ben Riley recently because we covered Spider-Man Beyond on Masters of Comic Books, mm-hmm. and so I've been reading along. I've been enjoying it, but as we've gone deeper and deeper into the crossover, I'm like, you know, who I really want to rant about this with? Cole, and we like been talking it's about the on crossover DMs.
1: for us too. Like, I this know. is exact like. I'm sorry. I didn't think of this sooner. Like, I'm glad you said something. <laughs> well, I, I just,
0: because we've both been so slammed, we've been so busy. I just thought like, even with other people, I'm like, I don't want to make this a big thing. I just want to record 20 minutes in the morning, you know, day of release, drop it and move on. But we've gotten such great engagement about it. And the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, I want to talk to Colel about this. Like, I want your feels on all of this. This is literally a crossover that was designed for us.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have Ben Riley, Spider Man, X Men, Madeline Pryor. I mean, this is like when Zeb Wells was putting it together, he had Day Spring and Cole in his mind.
0: Well, you know, it's so funny. I did see Zeb Wells at New York Comic Con. And no spoilers for upcoming episodes, but we are gonna try to coordinate something
1: with him. He's such a great human being. Um and a great writer. I I I'm a I know his Spider Man run has been a little polarizing to some, but I've been loving the series. And I truly do think he's a solid writer and can write some great character work in my opinion.
0: Well, wait, you explained this to me on DMs, but I'm completely forgetting about it right now. Sorry. Why has it been polarizing? Because the stuff I've read, And again, it's tainted because I really did enjoy our coverage of Spider-Man Beyond at Masters of Comic Books. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious, which by the way, go check out those episodes right now, dear listeners. But why has it been polarized? I know we talked about it, but just for folks at home who probably don't know and and refreshing me, why why is it polarizing? Zeb Wells is a solid writer.
1: I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the big thing is Peter and Mary Jane aren't together right now. And I think uh, the reasons why that is are not answered and I think that's frustrating a lot of people and that's totally understandable but I think one of the main reasons some could be angry about it is because Peter and MJ aren't together okay I'm sorry they haven't been together they're probably will probably be in a time where they won't ever be together ever honestly and right. I think that's just the true nature of uh, Spider-Man comments right now and i'm wait yeah
0: question i'm sorry i'm raising my hand <laughs> i'm like wait question you are what <laughs> oh, why, why are people unhappy like this has been an argument since one more day with joe casada mm-hmm. like yeah. th- th- this argument has been happening for almost 20 years at this point what what, what why has the tide shifted all of a sudden well like-
1: i think right here um because nick spencer's run that started in 2018 um spencer was heavily wanting to we all, oh, we really saw Peter and MJ back in that relationship um, sort of thing again. MJ. And it was kind of like pulled out from under the rug from, uh, from Spider-Man fans when, when his run ended and you can really see there was a total editorial mandate on Spencer's run. um, And that's, hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's, it can be seen. And, um, and so having them not together again can frustrate people which is understandable but i'm not i really don't care anymore i mean it's not gonna happen i don't care i mean i understand the how we don't have an answer as to why peter and mj aren't together right now and like mj has kids now which we don't know why that is
0: okay so that has not been explained so that's what's been th- the last issue with mary jane and black cat i was completely thrown off by so much i knew she had kids with some guy named paul yeah, and all of a sudden she has superpowers was that the first time she exhibited superpowers
1: yes I, okay in the previous uh asm issues there haven't been anything of her having powers if anything she hasn't really made a big a lot of appearances in the last 13 issues of spider-man gotcha, gotcha. well I, Hell, her listen, theater has barely interacted too and that's I another mean, you know, like, thing something happened six months prior and it oh you mentioned this yeah so that's why there's like this weird status quo change and stuff and that's also frustrating a lot of people that um it's frustrating a lot of people because he uh Peter's acting out of like a little angrier than normal, but we don't know why we don't know what happened six months ago. Norman played a big role we don't know why we don't know why m j has two kids, but they look like peter and m j we don't know how any of that stuff is, or we don't know who Paul is either, but all that stuff's supposed to be answered in March i think right because solicitations just came out a week ago and said that um the next big arc is the answers because you remember at the end of beyond that like little backup story where there was like this weird light figure um, outside Peter and MJ's window. I think that's going to be answered.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, the the thing that I'm seeing here is that fans are apprehensive to, to, to put it lightly because the story hasn't just played out. So let's Mm -hmm. see how the story plays out. Like, I mean, the six month gap is obviously something they want to, revisit but i have to tell you the one thing with like spider-man stories that i've seen in the last few years i mean this could be genius marvel editorial it may not but one more day people were very angry but they were talking about it Mm -hmm. um superior spider-man same thing people were very angry but they talked about it so i think this is like sort of the same thing that's happening right now with the six month gap what's going on with spider-man and mj who are these kids blah 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 it's going to be answered let the story play out because Mm -hmm. i assure you if something like Superior Spider-Man happened in the MCU, people would be losing their shit with excitement. Because they'd be like, oh, they're they're doing Superior Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If Superior Spider-Man happened now in the comics, I bet we wouldn't have the same reactions, you know? And it's just, yeah, it's... They know people will talk about it. I think I'm just saddened to see, like, all the hate it gets, because I feel like it's blocking the good stories that are there i yeah. truly think because there was a great tombstone tombstone arc that was great in the very beginning there was a short uh, two issue Vol- vulture story that was great and a nice little three issue Hobgoblins uh story arc that was there too it's really good stuff i really enjoy it the judgment day tie-in was pretty solid i and i think the art unfortunately is taking people out of it because um john romita jr has been the main artist for this book um mm-hmm. Besides Ed McGinnis, who's done the uh, issue, 900, issue 900 issue and the dark web tie-ins, um, John Romita Jr. doesn't sort of jive with a lot of modern readers. And so I could see how that can kind of turn people off, too. But I love uh, John Romita Jr. So I think that's why I also am enjoying the series. So, sorry, that was just my, I, I totally no. did why I'm enjoying this. This is an X-Men podcast.
0: Well, <laughs> this is why you've been invited on, because this is what, this is what we need. We need these gaps filled in because I, I I, I read Spider-Man when we were covering it for Masters of Comic Books, but I have since let go of it, you know, mm. and I love Ben Reilly. I mean, that's, I love, I love Gwen Stacy. I love Spider-Gwen. I even love MJ. But um, wait, so let, let's get your feels because I'm with Dark Web. I have very polarizing feels on it, mm-hmm. but I want to know your feels on the crossover thus far. We're a couple of weeks in. I think we're at the midway point. We're at the midway-ish point.
1: Midway point because I mean I think this is supposed to, the very excuse me the very last issue I think comes out January. January? Yeah. yeah, so they're they're releasing this really quickly, like weekly issues basically of everything that's everything is related to dark web each week. Um, but so far I've overall I've been and jo- enjoying it, but there are times I kind of just go back and forth of I'm just sort of like okay. Like nothing extravagant, but this is still pretty fun to enjoy. And because the prelude issue of Dark Web for Amazing Spider-Man 14 really just kind of took me out of it. Um everything sorta happened either like it's kind of cool to see Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor kind of working together. They're both clones. They both have had, um, I mean, they've been treated like trash by, in comic 100%. book stories. So why not have them work together, you know? And so I kind of like that concept, but I don't, I wish there was more development into their relationship instead of um Ben Riley just getting to limbo and then all of a sudden her and him and Madeline Pryor working together. That's what took me out of it. And then uh, the Dark Web Alpha issue sort of brought me in a little bit. Um, it didn't, it wasn't too extravagant, but le- I don't know. It's been like a very middling event. I'm having fun with it, um, but that's all I could say about it, I guess. But I, think I fun is a my perfect of putting it. Wait, what did you say? Sorry, I cut your- uh, No, I was just going to say, I'll, I will have better explanation yeah. of, how, of my feelings once the event is finished in a month or in about a few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback as these issues are coming out. I mean, you really do have to see what the entire intent of the crossover is and sort of where it lands. I, I think the what you just said, though, perfectly captures my feelings for it is that it's fun, fun. But if I scratch the surface, then I'm taking out of it a little bit more. And I don't know if it's so much more like the situation. It's like, I, I think I can forgive Madeline and Ben just joining forces because they're evil clones. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but for me, it's sort of some of the character development for someone like Maddie. And I've said this countless times before. So folks at home, I am so sorry for repeating myself, but Madeline was one of the first characters I really had to go out and dig information on and she has such a convoluted backstory and there were so many people who got her story wrong there was a lot of rumors at the time pre-Wikipedia pre-internet you know going to the comic book countertop hearing verbally someone another character's story and then only having a little Fleer Ultra card with like a three-sentence bio on her so I really had to Read the source material through the course of multiple decades to understand Madeline fully and and then still have the retrospection on it. So that's that that's a long-winded way of saying that I feel very personal with Maddie. Like I feel like a sense of ownership of that character that it probably incites a little bit more anger for me editorially than it would mm-hmm. for someone like Ben Riley. Like I like Ben Riley quite a bit. He's one of my favorite Spider-Man, you know, characters. I've read the clone saga. I've read some of the stories with him, but I'm not as invested in his story as I am with someone like Madeline. So on the surface level, I can understand this is a very fun story. Turn off your brain, enjoy it. But then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, I want to nitpick everything as Mm -hmm. I will, as we will talk about in Dark Web 2. But listen, I think it's fun. What what do I want on my holiday break? I want to turn off my brain. I want to read something. I will say, you know what did shock me? I did not anticipate this being a sequel to the original Inferno. And it is in a lot of ways.
1: I kind of had a feeling it would. Because the, there was a free comic book day issue that had a brief uh, showing of Madeline Pryor and Ben Reilly that had like a Spider-Man, that had Peter Parker um, fighting a possessed mailbox. So I, I had a <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to be Inferno 2, and I'm kind of glad it is. I mean, it's fun chaos, and, there's, and I think, well, like you said, it's just turn off your brain and just have fun with it. And I think that's why I am, even though I do say it's a little middling, I think that's why I am enjoying this event a little more than some might yeah. at this moment, because I love this chaotic mess sometimes, and... It, it's honestly it's fun stuff i mean there's i mean there's even good like um timed uh comedic moments too in a lot of this stuff which i think is enjoyable just please don't have it be the main focus of your comic you know or the I, event or the event excuse me you,
0: you know one of the things that i've had trouble with 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 comic books in general and I've sort of discovered this doing multiple podcasts and talking to people in the comic book community is the camp factor that comes in with comic books and it could just be the way my brain has worked I have a very serious personality when it comes to anything I have to read I don't read camp as well as I normally would and I have to agree with you I think this has really good comedic moments there's some humor in it I hope it doesn't eclipse a larger story but when we read Inferno for comic book for our, our book club last year, I was like, wow, this is a very over-the-top, campy, you mm-hmm. know, story. Similarly here, I have to disassociate, like, okay, this isn't what I personally like or would do, but the intent is to be campy and over-the-top.
1: Yeah, So and, yeah, and that's what you have to keep in mind when reading this sort of story. You, It's not supposed to be... I think it's poorly timed after uh Vide Ayala's their story with madeline Pryor, i can see how that's turning people off a lot too but the whole point of the story is to be over the top and just have fun with it
0: yeah but one of the things i really have enjoyed about it, it it being turn off your brain is the pacing and the release schedule for it like you said it was it's weekly it's coming out, you don't have to like sort of neander until the next issue. And so I think the pacing is really good for it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's made this just more enjoyable for me is how we at least get some sort of material related to dark web each week. And it's not just excess that unwanted excess of (laughs) bullcrap, or at least in my eyes. I'm having because I'm enjoying each tie-in that i've read so far with this book or with this event i think each one has been insightful and has been able to put their own sort of adventure with the characters involved
0: i agree wholeheartedly and we can get into it because one of the subplots i thought was really interesting was what we saw in mary jane and black cat and we're seeing it sort of play out now in amazing spider-man 16 Mm -hmm. that came out this week uh, and that's the first issue we're going to cover right now. Amazing Spider-Man 16 by Zeb Wells and Ed McGinnis. And I mean, give me your overall feels. I mean, we'll explain the story as we discuss, but tell me, how did you feel about it? What were your initial impressions and stuff like that?
1: I mean, at first I was a little disappointed, like it didn't. I mean, it's nothing too extravagant, but. We do get a nice battle between Spider-Man and Chasm, and that's all this is. It's a fast high fast action packed battle between the two. And it's honestly it's fun. I love um the back and forth between them and I think Zeb Wells is doing a really good job in establishing Ben Riley as a villain for Peter. And I think I'm at first I was kind of skeptical about Ben Reilly being this chasm figure but it's kind of grown on me a little bit it really is and granted like the prelude issue in issue 14 I was not I was like okay fine just another villain but and then the the dark web uh, alpha issue actually hooked me into how uh not manipulated what's the right word he's kind of just how twisted he is right now he's not in his right mindset because like he has he has memories but there's holes there like he doesn't have the whole thing and so he feels incomplete and so he feels um almost like a waste and so he wants to he wants to be whole again basically and the only way to do that i guess is to steal him from the original peter parker and i think zeb wells is able to capture that really well just of how violent nature he is and how um his dialogue can be very comic booky but it works <laughs> like a well, very diabol- diabolical villain
0: well here's the thing that i love and i agree with 100 percent everything you said and one of the things that i love about this issue so i really like this issue i think if there's something that zeb wells does really well is that he knows how to write characters with trauma right mm. we saw that in hellions we've seen that obviously in his spider-man but the lot of
1: work too in general honestly
0: ben has so much in him and the fact that he just wants to be whole again the fact that he doesn't have his memories that like he even remembers things differently and he holds this against you know peter parker makes for a good villainry. you know mm-hmm. and 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 there's this scene in this issue where peter's like i don't want to hurt you and Ben is like, oh, I know, and that is your weakness. That's why you will never beat me. And I just thought to me, this is really great dynamics between mm-hmm. the characters. I think Zebwell's, and I've talked about, I've mused the, about this in previous episodes. I don't know what it is about Ben Riley in this crossover that it's hitting the mark for me.
1: I really yeah, feel same like, here, like.
0: Ben, as a character, I empathize with. I I know he's doing wrong, I know he's a villain, but I understand his point of view, where he's coming from, and I don't know if it's just a position of the character editorially, I don't know if it's because Zeb Wells is giving him a little bit more TLC, I can't really pinpoint it, but I really felt this fight with them, and you know, it's funny when you said that, I was like, because I was like, how am I going to sum up this issue on the podcast today? Because I don't really, again, I don't follow a, a Spider-Man as closely, but you said it perfectly. It's one big fight between the both of them. And at the end, Peter's taken to limbo. That, that really is the issue. That's all this is. But there's so much weight and history between the characters, even in between this fighting. I listen, I remember there was an issue of Spider-Man that I read growing up where Peter, finds out that mj's pregnant and they're like this is so great in a year where we've lost may in a year that we've lost ben you know we have this little hope at the end of the at the tunnel and i do believe spider-man having that in the back of my head i do believe that peter slash spider-man would not want to hurt ben because he has love for ben
1: Yeah, and I think that this issue really resonates with you and I because we read Spider-Man Beyond, which was also headlined by Zeb Wells. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to, because you remember like when Peter said, you can be Spider-Man or whatever, like he gave the okay or whatever while he was on that hospital bed. And now we're at the other end of it with Ben Riley attacking Peter and stuff. It's just, there's so much history which just went within the, year since beyond started and so i think that's what makes the makes this whole fight scene much more emotional and like you said with a lot of weight to it and with each landing hit and, and i think well script does a really solid job in showing how distinctly different these two are and 100 and just show like even though peter's kind of like in this sort of quote-unquote different aggressive state after that six months he's still peter uh, spider-man at heart while ben riley's now he doesn't care about anything anymore he only care. he wants to be whole again and so he's just doing anything he can to get back to that
0: so i have a question for you when yeah. he says when he says ah, i think you meant it that's good maddie said he only comes if you meant it and then Peter says, he, you know, it's put in air quotes, is that supposed to be someone? Am I missing something there? Where's that at? So it is page number 19. 18 going into 19.
1: Yeah, that I don't know. Okay, so that is
0: a, that's, that is a mystery that's in, like been put in here for the story. I figured it was like a demon or something that's going to, because what we saw in Mary Jane and Black Cat.
1: Was maybe it's just the worked? demon that got him yeah because that's what after thinking. that because after that he says so mr can't pronounce his name is taking you to limbo a
0: okay, few pages later
1: so maybe okay. he's just meaning that weird demonic uh oh tentacle. i got you okay because i do
0: like what, what i like about this is that the plots that were established in miss marvel and mary jane and black cat is that they, they are assembling a dinner party in limbo for peter right bringing all the <laughs> peter's loved ones into so listen i thought this was a great issue i have no qualms with it i'm excited to see what happens i love the ending where he finds himself in like a hellish landscape where he has to work um you know it's a hellish like workplace that reminds me of and the daredevil during the original inferno where new yorkers were still going to work and commuting mm-hmm. in the landscape of hell so i I love that little nod here. For, that scene's
1: great, by the way. Daredevil oh, yeah. fights a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> uh,
0: I I have to tell you, we had Anna Centi on the podcast. She's everything you want
1: her to be. I love I, her. I think her Daredevil run deserves so much more attention. I, I oh, actually, she's done a lot of great work. Honestly, she's done phenomenal
0: work. I mean, I love Longshot. We had her because we were gonna we were doing Longshot for book club, which again, I'm sorry the rescheduling is coming listener but i just i, I just think ann said it best on the podcast where there's a cycle of violence that we that the heroes see that's repeated through generation of generations and i i love that even carrying over here
1: mm-hmm. yeah but like you said this was a fun issue i the art by ed mcginnis cliff Ruthburn, and um marcio Menez is just to die for it's oh, yeah the fight is choreography. Has such great choreography. They're able to highlight each of the spider's abilities, even though they're both basically the same person. Uh, Chasm has like uh, these cool new spider sensibilities, and I'm just, I'm, i I'm, I'm having fun. I really Boom. am.
0: I give this, I give this issue a thumbs up. I think it's a fun issue. That is, yep. if you like Ben Riley, if you want to see a, a peek into his relationship with Spider-Man, check out Amazing Spider-Man 16. Yes. Our next one, Venom 14, by Al Ewing and Brian Hitch.
1: Give me your feels.
0: Give I me, also it enjoyed this.
1: I it, I wish it would have been a little more complex into how Venom was manipulated by Chasm and Madeline Pryor, but I, Al Ewing's script is still able to make it work. I, I'm I'm always a big fan of Al Ewing. He's He's always done a really solid job in, when it's come to, he, every, like, series at Marvel he does, he always ends up being the one that has to do the tie-in issues to every event. Oh, I agree. But I don't know how the hell he does it. He manages to make it still work into his main story. This man's mind is unlike any other, but he does manage to write a compelling script and Make it tie into the event while also tying into his story that he's wanting to tell overall. And do you need to read this to understand Dark Web? Maybe a little bit to understand how Madeline Pryor got the uh, the Ceremo helmet, but I really think this works. I honestly had a lot. I had good fun with this issue. What would you think? He writes a good sync.
0: That's one thing I I'm going to say. I don't also God. I, as I was reading this, I was like, because Sync was dead for for a minute there in the comics. I'm like, how do Sync's power work? Does he get to store those powers? But regardless, I really like that Sync has a line of, I've had every telepathic power in me and I've had centuries to practice it, because that obviously goes back to what was happening with him in, in Children of the Vault. So I think his Sync is absolutely perfect here. I could take yeah. or leave the Venom subplot, to be quite frankly with you. I don't, I don't dislike it. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, one of the things that I'm What's what I'm looking here for, and I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm criticizing the writer's decision. I just like I'm I'm trying to understand the logic of the characters, if that makes sense. Where mm. Madeline, Madeline's like, well, I had to sign this really riveting agreement that I'm not allowed to like infiltrate the treehouse, but I'm going to hire Venom specifically just to do this, take out his brain, have him assault the treehouse, so then Hollows Eve can go in and get the cerebro backup of Gene Grey it just seems like so unnecessarily complicated if madeline can she says it here like maybe i manipulated summer's brother to tell me it was here maybe i have powers that you know transcend time and space Be like then just portal in grab the cerebro and leave you know what i mean like
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, that again this is one of the situations where i need to see where the crossover ends before i question the motives of the of the character but it just reminded me of this plot that happened in the sisterhood arc in uncanny x-men when matt fraction was writing madeline Mm -hmm. where she had to go to utopia to get a locket of jean's hair to find out that jean was buried in the backyard of the mansion and all i could think of is if you knew wolverine was keeping a a locket of jean's hair how did you not know jean gray was buried in the long established graveyard at the mansion on a (laughs) tombstone that says jean gray you know what i mean like that's so so that's the same thing I'm kind of questioning here. Is if you knew it was there, why why do this whole big assault when you could have just popped in, taken it, and leave? Like, how how is you violating that Krokoan agreement of going into the treehouse having you worse off than doing a full assault on New York and hiring someone to to infiltrate the tree? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it really I, does.
0: I let's see how it plays out, is all I want to say. Let's see how it plays out because. I'm sure she didn't
1: violate Krakoan laws if she signed the agreement to go into the treehouse. So
0: But is she violating Krakoan laws by killing humans?
1: I mean, demonic possessed (laughs) objects are killing humans. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But
0: yeah, let's see, let's see how it goes. But listen, I think the overall issue, I mean the art is beautiful. Al does a really great job writing these characters mm-hmm. i i'm not understanding do you know this what's going on with venom and his son that's something i'm not quite i don't have my head wrapped around it
1: if i will be here for a while if i try to explain <laughs> that because it's hard to it's really hard to explain
0: okay well i listen i thought this fight with him and sync was really good i love that hallows eve which by the way remind me i think i said this in a previous episode Hallow's Eve is Ben Reilly's girlfriend from Spider-Man Beyond, right? Yeah, Janine.
1: She, Janine. Yeah, she was given this ability by Madeline Pryor. Okay,
0: yeah, and I and I read those issues, but I, I'm still confused with the character in general because she has like an alias too, right? Like, is Janine her real name? Does she have another no. name?
1: No, no Janine's not her real name. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember for the life of me what her real name is, and that's just because I, I don't know the character 100% well. Because uh,
0: that threw me off when we were covering Spider-Man Beyond, and I was like, wait, I'm wikipedia her, and she, she appeared before, but she had a different name, and now Janine's an alias, or something like that. Yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, listen, this is also a really straightforward issue, which I appreciate, which is, it's just Venom versus Sink, and then Hollow's Eve is going in to retrieve the Cerebro data, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, FOB, with Gene's backup. In it, which okay. The only thing I will say to that, this is where I am going to be hypercritical. Jean's backup is just there on a bookshelf, like just it. this little ball. <laughs> it's like this <laughs> little one. ball. Like, what do they call it? They call it the. Um, Whatever it's something that like it's a storage room, it's a little tech that's able to back up at least ten mutants, which is fine. Like I get it. I I'm I have no qualms with that. But I love it that the X Men just have it there on a bookshelf. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, here's my entire life, my entire backup just right here. So
1: shows the know. flaws of crack sometimes.
0: I mean, the mutants are a little arrogant in in the Cricon age. So, like, I'm okay just with just <laughs> I'm a, but I'm okay with that arrogance as long as it's a self awareness from editorial that they're purposely doing it. But I, <laughs> I I agree with you. I think you you said it best. You don't need to read, you know, this issue to understand everything that's going on with dark web. Other than Madel, this is how Madeline gets
1: jeans back up. Yeah. And I I really do appreciate Al Ewing give us giving us some narration from Hallows Eve. I mean, cause ever since she did get um that ability in the ASM number fourteen prelude issue, we've never really gotten her mindset of anything. Hell, I didn't even know Chasm could uh manipulate people like that until I think it was this issue that it said that he could I can't remember if it was this one or Maisie Spider-Man, where he was like, "Yeah, I just I could just. I have new powers now." I'm like, "Oh, cool! I didn't even know that."
0: So, what do you give this issue in the end?
1: I would give it a thumbs up. I've been. I'm. I think I'm one of the um, few people in the minority that is has been enjoying Venom both from Rom B's perspective and Al Ewing's perspective because they're both writing the issues. Ron B is focusing on Dylan, and then Al Ewing's focusing on uh, Eddie, but I I I really I had a good time with this issue. I really did. What about you? Yeah,
0: I agree. Good time. Y- you don't need to read it. Skim it. It's good. You have if you're a sync fan, this is definitely an issue to read.
1: He does write a really good sync.
0: All right. Dark Web X Men issue two. Jerry Dugan, Rod Rice, and Phil Noto. What are, I I have feels this is going to be the bulk of the episode because I'm going to be ranting for the next two hours about this.
1: I enjoyed the issue. Did you not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed the issue quite a bit. I have questions about certain things as a nitpicking Madeline Pryor fan. Okay.
1: You have have better knowledge of all this than I do. I'm more the Spider-Man guy. Okay. You're the X-Men Madeline Pryor guy, Jean Grey guy.
0: Let's put this Rod Rice and Phil Noto are just perfect nothing to say about
1: it. It I loved how they were, um they were I love how Rod Rice did the uh limbo stuff and then Phil noto did the uh more like uh the summers uh dialogue uh interactions and on earth stuff. I really liked how that was split up really well and it does look great. It looks fen- phenomenal.
0: The only thing I'm going to say about Phil Noto, and I noticed this during 10 of swords is uh when he's rushing through a panel, you notice he's rushing through a panel. Like I, I, I love the image of the New Yorkers running to the treehouse, that one mm-hmm. right there, but yeah. it look, if it, it feels rushed to me, but I love it. And that's how I would characterize like some of his rush, more rush aspects. Like
1: it's I noticed tell... in his cable room with Jerry Duggan too. It's, yeah. it's, because he's such a great artist and he has such wonderful character expressions and their acting is always so spot on, but it's unfortunate because he's like one of those artists, like you notice they're rushing on a page or a panel. You it's really noticeable leading you to sort of be. Um, it takes you out, out a, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Because, it's,
0: because this panel with Scott and the puppies, it's so
1: well done. It's great. Oh my great. God. When I I told, when I saw the preview pages for it, I'm like, Peyton, you have to see this. And I am like I know this kid like ended tragedy, but it's so beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I just, I want to cuddle those puppies.
0: (laughs) Poor little puppies. I mean, I have questions about that too, but okay. (laughs) Anyways, so the opening pages, we get Madeline sort of rel like living a life that never happened. It was her with baby Nathan on beach and you know, baby Nathan gets sucked into the sand and like she kind of runs and she cries and she screams. And you know, this is sort of what's haunting her. I did love that those pages when I started reading them I was like oh shit this is going to be an excellent issue because I think one of the things about Madeline that we saw pre-Met Fraction Sisterhood arc was she came to Cable on the astral plane during the Twelve, and she said they went to like this place in Alaska where, where they used to live and Madeline said to Cable like this is we were happy here and i was happy just me and you for that brief interim when you know when scott left you know because gene came back and before you know she joined the x-men nathan was abducted she was happy there and i do believe she was happy with nathan you know Mm -hmm. and and i love that that no matter how she plays her her memories here she loses him and that that kind of regret it really fucks a person up you know i mean that level of loss and regret um So in that regard, I thought those first couple pages were great. I love seeing Forge on the field, sort of helping the X-Men. Obviously, we get synced there again. But Forge has this line that I don't really understand. He goes, what the hell did we ever do to piss Madeline Pryor off? And I want to be like, you know, this issue is all about Forge. You know, Forge picked Alex to be on the X-Men because he wanted to repair that relationship. Mm. Forge is a smart guy. You know why Madeline Pryor's angry. We all know why Madeline Pryor's angry. Why can't they just say... And that's the that's one thing from this issue that I just don't like. Why don't they just say it? Like, why is Madeline really angry? Why is Jean angry? Why does, at the end, when Jean smacks her...
1: I mean, And bitch slaps her, man. Bitch Holy slaps
0: her. Shit. But I wish the line would have been something to, to the effect. And this is me projecting into it. But I wish the line would have been something like Jean being like, you know what? You are my clone. I never asked for any of this. You know, you, you're you're blaming me for taking Nathan. You went evil, sinister. Made you from me against my will. I've had it with all this stuff. I'm, I've had it with the clones. I've had it with the phoenix. And Jean just loses her temper and smacks her. You know, what I mean, I would understand more that than Jean just being like, "You want to go? Let's go, Tuts." <laughs> and then like smacks her because I think Jean would choose love over violence first and foremost Mm. in the unless i saw gene's breaking point from an editorial standpoint then i would feel i I would feel for that situation where gene's like yeah i'm over this but gene smacking madeline the only thing i can think of is like she you have madeline's memories you know madeline is in a lot of pain you know madeline was abused by the same man who abused you which was sinister so i don't know why there wasn't that little tinge of empathy there I mean, I I get it. I mean, we might
1: get that in issue three. I mean, we have one more issue after this too, which I really hope does focus heavily on between uh, Gene and Madeline Pryor because I think there's a very important development you can really explore here and relationship Duggan can really explore here, but he only has one more issue to do that in. And I'm very worried... They're gonna miss that wonderful opportunity to do so.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I just like there was this issue of X-Men, X-Men number twenty-five, where Gene confronts Madeline, you know, because Nate Gray brings her back. Um, and 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 there is there is love there there's empathy there's not i don't want to say like a sense of responsibility like madeline is one of these characters that someone needs to be responsible for but jean understood the situation and like the yeah. series did focus on madeline and nate being traumatized by sinister you know sinister of age of apocalypse for nate and madeline being the 616 sinister so i wish that would have been i wish that would be remembered and brought to this table here where jean is like i get it you know and chris claremont i don't necessarily agree with this like perspective but chris claremont in x-men the end wrote an alternate future to the end of the x-men and madeline was revealed to be the part of gene that really did love cyclops that really did want a normal life i'm not saying that has to be it here but i wish sort of some of those concepts and understandings would have translated here then other than madeline being an evil clone and again i think ben riley is getting wonderful characterization. I wish Madeline will sort of get some of that as well.
1: I think that makes sense. I know,
0: I know I'm babbling and I know I'm being picky.
1: Well, and kind of the downside here with Madeline Pryor is just like, it's almost like she was thrust in. She's just a weapon at this point. You get what I mean? Like Ben Riley found her and said, I'm going to use kind of, it's not like he found her said, all right, I'm going to use you and we're going to, do all this I mean because they planned this together granted all that development have happened off panel but like there's it sucks because Vida Ayala's um, new mutants with Madeline Pryor like that whole storyline right before she ended it was just spot on and now it's like just this huge jumping like it's a huge like like it, it's just the complete opposite of where we last saw her And so I hope that's really explored or at least explained in some sense here as to why Madeline is in this current state right now. Like, was she manipulated? Was there, did, like, I don't know, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I also, like, here's the thing that I, okay, so 30 years of reading a character like Madeline being angry, being always coming after the X-Men, I wish we would just get a different shade of that storytelling, right, mm. for her. When she's trying to access the Cerebro storage thing so she can so she can get the jump drive, so she can get Jean's memories of when she first held Nathan, but she wants to feel it. I just, I, part of me is like, it had you gone to Jean on Krakoa and been like, you held my son, we have the same memories, we're made of the same, I want to experience that. Like, again, I have to see where this, story ends what madeline's motives are to to properly judge the scene but in, the only thing i can think of here is at least a gene we know historically would have sat down with madeline and have done some kind of psychic rehabilitation together you mm-hmm. know what i mean and she would have shared i don't think gene would have been bashful to share those memories at least the gene that the reason why we love gene would have been empathetic enough to share that memory with her And madeline didn't need to do all of this now maybe that is a tick of the character maybe that is a that is fine, but I just feel like had Madeline and Jean sat down together and been like, yeah, Sinister fucked both of us, let's try to heal together as opposed to bitch slapping each other, I think it would have been a better, much better
1: storytelling. But that's... <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry! No, 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 no. I ca- I really get what you mean, too, because yeah. I think you mentioned this um, in your little rant about, like... How it's a... <laughs> in your little it rant. Is... <laughs> Well, and it's kind of like a rehashing of just already told stories, and it's yeah. not and you can make things modernized and stuff like that, but if you're just rehashing on the exact same things without giving us proper answers, it's really hard to kind of engage and enjoy with it, and then you end up getting uh fans and who just end up hating it and bashing on the writers or creative team behind it when they're not getting the when the creative team's not delivering some sort of um what's the right word? Um engage, not engaging story, but just like a fulfilling story.
0: Yeah. So stories with resolution. And and by the way, I think you this is why I miss you and this is why I love you so much. <laughs> it's exactly what you just said, which is these stories like you're repeating sort of the same stories. And and that, you know, that, that is something I've had qualms with. And I've I've marinated on this. I'm like, am I so old that I'm reading I've been reading these stories that now some of the same plots organically are just coming around again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I've been reading this for decades. And what what's what's old to me is ne- not necessarily old to a new reader. So I agree with you on that. I I think, in fairness, I need to see where things end. I, I think this cover, this ending for this issue with her slapping Madeline was more cliffhanger, more style over substance. Hopefully the mm-hmm. next issue will pick up with a bit more substance. Maybe Gene will recoil and be like, Madeline, I'm sorry, you're frustrating me. What is going on? Why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Like I I would love to see like a conversation like that because they are sisters and they should mm-hmm. have that.
1: I really want this last issue to be just them too, honestly. Because there was a little like little focus on the Summers brothers with Alex and Sky and Not saying I didn't care for it, but I just, like, I wasn't enthralled as much. Like, I wasn't really looking for that sort of material that much in this issue.
0: It kind of pissed me off a little bit, to be honest with you. Because I was, like, for multiple things. Like, one, exactly that. I don't need to see Alex and Scott resolve their issues right now, editorially. Like, I love that Alex is in therapy. I love that... You know, I, I thought the line where he was you're like, Yeah, even our therapists don't understand why the Summers Brothers, you know, and what Stan says. I was like, Okay, can we, can this be something else? Like, yeah. not,
1: not right here. You're making it about you again. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like,
0: I don't, yeah, you're, you're hijacking a story that's supposed to be about Madeline, like, editorially speaking, editorially speaking, that the story's being hijacked. Let's give it to Madeline. And secondly, Alex is leaving the X Men now. I mean, that's what he kind of says, whether he does mm-hmm. or doesn't, who knows. My main grievance about these and X-Men is that they're not on the team long enough to have a fully marinated story. So like now you're going to shake up the team following Dark Web, and Alex hasn't even been on the team to have a a decent Mm story-ish. And that's that's why I hate about the inaugural X-Men team. It was over before it began, and I'm starting to see those those shades right now. And I'm worried because we know Marvel likes to reach out around January for the X-Men elections so you can start getting everything fired up, and I'm like, are we just going to get new X-Men now come come January, or are we going to get a press release saying that there's going to be the X-Men vote in March? I
1: don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that, and that's why the uh, Duggan's run on the X-Men has been really lackluster, because nothing's, it's just, it it's just been feeling sort of like your, just like your Saturday morning cartoons, there's nothing of substance that's, super enjoyable but which is why immortal and x-men red have been so great because they have those same characters we've seen these built up for over a year now and you don't see them just going away or like or you don't have like what's really cool is immortal x-men is able to focus on each superhero or each mutant in a very interesting way where Gillen's script is just so complex but like so true to the character while also adding some extremely awesome features that have never been highlighted as something superior over another I don't know what I'm kind of getting at here but
0: No, I 100% agree with everything you have said. I mean, literally verbatim. The only thing I would throw in there, I I like Exterminators as well. I think Immortal... Oh,
1: Exterminators is great. I read issue four today and I loved it.
0: (laughs) I I haven't read issue four yet, but it's fun. I think X-Men Red is a well-written book. I've said this, I'm not too into the weekly X-Men books right now, but there's no denying Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red and Exterminators are exceptionally well-written. You know Mm. what I mean?
1: yeah it's just the downside for the x-men state right now it's just event after event after event yeah because like i enjoy, i know you don't you didn't enjoy judgment day too much but i really enjoyed judgment day but you had a you had judgment day and then just a month or two later you have the dark web one granted it's not hijacking the current weekly titles but there's still it's still an x-men related event so if you're following the x-men titles i feel like you got to follow that too and then Starting in January, February, you have *Sins of Sinister*, which is I don't I don't know if it puts the books on a halt for a little bit with the we'll alternate see. stuff, but we'll just have to see. But Wait man, we see. really got off track from *Dark Web*.
0: <laughs> all right, so how do you rate this issue in the end? *Dark Web* um, X-Men.
1: 2. I, I really did enjoy this too. Um, I probably the I wouldn't probably the best out of all three, honestly, in my opinion. Maybe because it did a little more focused on the character work a little bit than um, the other two issues, Um, but I still loved uh, Amazing Spider-Man as um, I love Wells uh, Zeb Wells writing of each of uh, both Peter and Ben. So and Venom was also solid, but I I would say it was a pretty decent week for Dark Web.
0: Yeah, I I think think decent. Yeah, decent week. I think the last two weeks have been fun. Turn off your brain. Do not expect. Any leaps or major character development just yet, but I think it's it's fun. Turn off your brain, enjoy it, read it. I don't know if I'd recommend it just yet. I, and that was something I was sort of grappling with last week. I was like, well, if someone asked me, should I read Dark Web? I don't know what the answer would be. I have to wait to see how it plays out. But I do feel that it may get forgotten in, you know, in history. As a, as, a, as a crossover. And I again, I just think there's so much passion for characters like Ben and Maddie. They have a huge, very vocal fan base mm-hmm. because of their convoluted nature. And people love these characters. I think they deserve a bit better editorially. But this isn't a bad story. I, I can't sit here and be like, the writing is shit. I can't sit here and say the art is bad. I can't say that the publication schedule is wonky. Everything is tight with this story and and that's something mm-hmm. i really do appreciate out of the current x office with jordan with jordan white they they have a good editorial track he does keep the books shipping there's not like astonishing x-men was delayed like between issue 21 and 22 there was like a seven month delay yeah they've done year.
1: really well since covid happened i mean yeah. they've done a. they've been kind of like i've noticed they've been trying to get back on track with a lot of the uh, publication releases granted there are a few titles out there that i sadly don't get released as often as i feel like they should mm-hmm. or like maybe not released as often but i i wish i saw more of them for example like captain marvel or something but uh yeah i i i can't recommend this yet but i have i know the reasoning for dark web being here is number one zeb wells loves these characters and he just wants to write them again because that's the those are the characters he loved when he was a kid Mm -hmm. which totally fine i mean that's what you do well i mean that's what you do when you become a comic comic book writer if you grew up with comics you want to write the characters that you loved and if you've worked up to that by all means do whatever the hell you want and so well and that's why i don't want to be too and that's i mean i can be critical of stuff but like why would I be critical if I'm just really enjoying it?
0: <laughs> I agree. I mean, listen, that is a very fair and amazing way to put it. And speaking of amazing, we have been talking to Caden McKay. I believe that's how you pronounce their name. They are the associate ed- editor for Amazing Spider-Man. We met them at New York Comic Con. We are in talks to get them on the podcast Do you want to join me on that interview? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's right there. Boom. So stay tuned on that. Set in stone. (laughs) Set in stone, right there, live. So let's see how that goes. Cole, I did want to do trivia, but I think we're out of time, so we'll just have to save that for next time. And also, I kind of gave the answers to some of the Madeline stuff as I was talking. But hey, I wasn't
1: paying attention, so you can still stump me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Cole, where where can the folks at home hit you up? They everyone knows.
1: I'm on where to hit you. I'm on Instagram at masters of comic books. You can follow me, follow me for daily reviews, my pick of the week and yeah, my poll list. It's I have a lot of fun. It's great. It's fun. I I love what I do and I love everyone that gets really engaged with it. It it means the world to me for all the support I get. It's
0: an amazing, amazing page. I remember when we first started it off. And you were excited just to get like 10 people engaging there. You have literally made it your own. It grows on the daily. I always see the regrams. I wake up every Wednesday morning and I go to that to that to that page. And I'm like, what, what is pupping today? Cause I don't know. And I always know you got it. So everyone at Masters of Comic Books, I'm the player two over there. We have an archive of really great episodes we had interviews with jed mckay kelly thompson we do reviews breakdowns we did we did hawkeye right yeah we did
1: hawkeye yeah we did hawkeye moon knight uh we did comic book reviews for spider-man beyond uh philip kennedy johnson uh the super current action comics writer he was on there um yeah it was a lot of great stuff more to come on that but colt absolutely for joining me today Thank you so much. And sorry if I rambled so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is why
0: we had you here.